Okay, you're all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different to normal because Simon recently gave a talk over at the Lead Generation World Conference, a virtual conference, and um, we're going to share that with you now. It's called The Art of Lead Buying Take Control. Hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone. We've got... Uh... Session number two coming up here on day number two. Um, I uh, appreciate you all participating in uh, Lead Generation World London. Um, I th we've had some really, really great sessions and, and I've got a number of them still uh, lined up, um, especially this next one. Um, but before I make the introduction, I do want to remind you to participate. Um, to do so, it's, it's really simple. You can either, if you're in the Whova app, you can use the Q&A section there on the right side. Uh, ask any questions at any point in time, and we'll address it um, as they come in or at the end of the uh, session. I'll, I'll make sure to ask those questions on your behalf. Um, or if you're watching this via Zoom, you can also use the Q&A option there. But either option works, um, and either option is encouraged. I think we get more out of the session when you ask questions, so please do so. Um, but let's uh, let's go ahead and, and get started. Uh, our next um, presentation is The Art of Lead Buying uh, by Simon Delaney, who is the CEO of Databowl. Simon, welcome, and uh, thank you for uh, presenting on the topic. I'll uh, sort of hand it over to you and let you take it from here. Yeah, cool. Let me uh, share my screen one second. Uh, cool. So... Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Simon Delaney from Datable. Um, what I want to go through is just some like foundational pieces that you can apply to lead buying. Um, so uh, this is going to be like fairly simple stuff, but if you implement all of them, I think that you will reduce a lot of the bad leads that you could get and you're going to improve your conversions and make things more transparent. Um, now, what I found is there's tons of courses and gurus and stuff out there that tell you ways to generate leads. Um, but there's very few things for buyers of leads. And this is one of the things with Lead Gen World um, that I know Michael's really hot on as well. And Michael, I'd just like to say thanks for the opportunity to uh, present this as well. Um, and I love Lead Gen World, everything it represents. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. So um, I've been doing Lead Gen since um, around 2005. Um, and the first company I started with, within six months of me starting there, I actually went into a three-year earnout um, to sell the company. And so over those three years, we were tasked with generating as much money as they possibly could get because they wanted to sell the company for as much money as they could get. So within six months, my task was, you need to start buying bollock loads of leads. So when I started actually writing some of this presentation, I started thinking about what I actually meant. And I realized I was probably, along with a small team of people, one of the biggest lead buyers in the UK for a long period of time. So 2005 till probably 2014. Um, I actually left that company after the three-year earnout and did a management buyout of it in 2010, but carried on the lead uh, buying process. And all of that led to creating software because obviously when you're buying leads in fast scale and you know all different types of leads with different types of intent um i was trying to automate the process make sure the leads were better when we took them in if we had any um, subsequent buyers because we were like an agency um and that's how i got into it and really started the uh, lead buying background 
And obviously since 2014, I've moved into software and that's been my pretty much entire focus. Um, and now we have Databall. And at Databall, we believe in transparency between all parts in the lead gen process. So that's the generator, the buyer, most importantly, the prospect. And what we do is just build systems to enable this. So whether that's landing pages, affiliate tracking, lead distribution, um, the whole gambit, lead nurturing. Um, and it's all with the idea that lead buyers, lead generators can create transparency and really nail the lead generation process. So the six steps I'll go through as part of this foundation piece, um, are sort of, like I said, ways to improve the quality of the leads that you're buying, help conversion rates, and establish a transparent and efficient lead buying process. So if we start off, we're going to be talk about utilizing the brand. So this is what a lot of people miss in lead generation. So if you have a brand or you are a big brand, it's the number one thing that affects advertising ROI. It's actually 18 times more effective than anything else. This is why people always look for offers because the, the actual brand that they have isn't necessarily overly strong. So if you've got a brand, either use that as the lead generation mechanism or work in a partnership with lead generators to actually utilize the power of the brand. You can also use the opportunity within lead gen, the whole lead gen process to actually build your brand. Because you've got to remember, there's a huge amount of brand awareness that goes on from lead gen. No one ever talks about this. They focus on the transactional aspects of lead gen. But in reality, you know, it's a huge brand awareness program that you're effectively running. So this is just a quick example of something that we actually run. So we do a small amount of lead gen still internally just for a couple of um, enterprise brands that we work with. So this is a brand we created called Clear Energy Switching. This is just something really simple, right? This is the same ad. We put the same budget, the same audience was running on Facebook. And you can see one has in partnership with Scottish Power and the other doesn't. The one with in partnership with Scottish Power generated 15% more leads with exactly the same budget. And not only that, it actually got 7% more sales when you add them together. And it literally was the power of the brand because there were no surprises for the consumer coming in or the prospect coming in. They knew who was going to contact them. They knew the process was going to go through and everything else. And this is the sort of partnership that if a lead buyer and a lead generator work well together, they can create and just boost the overall conversion rates. And if you don't have a brand, which obviously a lot of people don't, they have like you know, small brands and people don't know about them. What you actually need to think about is who your ideal customer profile is. Like what's your positioning? Who is it aimed at? How does your messaging resonate with them? What are you doing differently to stand out? This is something that Alan Desimir touched on yesterday when he was talking about people copying landing pages. Um, and that's what happens, right? Everybody's landing pages end up exactly the same because they're effectively just creating this like vanilla thing where everyone copies everyone's texts. They all use the same images. They're all hitting the same audience. Nothing resonates with anybody. Now, here's two examples of brands have been created. And I talk about this quite a lot with like our clients. Um, I talk about it on LinkedIn constantly with like the eight people that um, might read my stuff. But effectively, um, these are two lead generators, right? But look at it, like Tom stands out like a sore thumb in a good way because it's life insurance for dads. If you're a hipster type of dad, age like 30 to 40, you have kids, um, you've got a beard, all these sort of small things, um, this is really going to resonate with you. You're going to remember it. This is the sort of like targeting that they've got. It decides itself. And it's the same with dead happy as well, 
Right? They've not created a brand as in the ICP there, but what they've started to do is put, do the play on life insurance. So rather than doing the same thing that everyone does, which is like a yeah, picture of a happy, smiling 80-year-old couple, blue background, headline text is just nicked from somewhere else. They've changed the whole thing on its head and started talking about like the reality of death and actually trying to make it a quirky little thing that people can actually engage with. And what happens is you remember this. So even if you don't become a lead then, you will remember seeing this brand again. And it's completely different to the way most people think about building a brand when they're thinking of their lead generation process. So this is something that I think you can really use and really think about it. You have to dig into it. This isn't something that you can just like knock up in 15 minutes. You actually think about like what you want your messaging to be, how you're going to position it, who your ideal customer is, and that's how you get a niche and how you build a brand. So imagine you've now got your lead generation uh, asset sorted um, or the brand that you're going to use to bring it in, whether that is you are a brand or build one. Now you need to connect with real people. So in lead generation, um, I don't know if someone can give me another example of another industry, but imagine 35% of anything you ever bought was just not working or incorrect so you couldn't sell to it. So it's like this, right? Like you buy 10 chairs and only seven of them have legs. I mean, it'd just be crazy. You, it, but that's what happens in lead gen. So what can you do about it? So this is all fairly simple stuff, right? It's just like general database thing. But the reality is a lot of people don't do it. And in order to get rid of that 35% so that you can reduce your costs and increase your conversion rates, this is what you need to do. So use real-time suppression files. And this needs to happen in real time, right? So you need API to connect with the leads coming in, it needs to do lookups against a, like a customer base you might have or a do not call list. You need to ensure you've got validation on every form that collects data if you have, um, if you are collecting it. And if you, you're not, you need to validate the leads when you receive them. And by validating them, it's typically like the contact information. So is the email address correct? Is the telephone number line? What is, is their postal address real? Um, is it a Mickey Mouse name? Are there other details that are potentially missing that you can run validation against? You also need to apply condition sets on the back end. What this means is actually removing people you can't sell to. So it could be you can't sell to men over 50 living in Kent, for example. But it could also be people that aren't really your ideal customer and you've got a lower percentage chance of selling to them. And so actually they just waste time in your sales function. So you can build all these condition sets into systems like Datable. Um, and there are other systems so they can just remove them and you're just rejecting them. You don't have to worry about it and do it all in real time. And you can apply deduplication. Now there's an argument where if you've got like a high purchasing intent lead, um, I'd actually remove deduplication in that scenario because if someone, if you have a brand and someone submits a lead into it and then the next day it comes in again, it probably suggests that the sales team hasn't contacted them. And so you can either feed it directly straight into the sales team. So they just call it instantly again. Um, or you're going to have to try and like find a way to update the sales team to tell them, oh, that lead that came in, um, whenever it was, pull that back out again and call. It's easy just to submit it again. And if you're still having problems removing like bad leads or condition sets or um, getting the conversion rates that you need, think about double opt-in email SMS. This is where a lead comes in. You send it an SMS or an email saying, um, thanks for your interest. Please click here to confirm your quote, for example. And then that uh, gets distributed as a lead straight to the sales team. 
So the biggest problem in lead generation um, is bots and click farms. And so that hits the lead generators in the front end, but it actually then gets applied to the lead buyers um, who this is aimed at on the back end. These people don't use fake information. It's 100% legitimate. They might even hijack IPs that are um, relative to the location of the leads being submitted in. It can be really, really sophisticated. And so you need to think of ways to mitigate that. So there's stuff like IP lookup uh, companies. So um, you run an API call, um, run against the IP, and they return it to say whether it's uh, real or not, or whether it could be a bot. The stuff like uh, contact state or lead ID, so you can actually um, prove the origination of the data against the form that's being generated on when it comes into the lead buying process. Um, you can use recapture on forms. There's a bunch of things that you can do. What you virtually always notice with bots and click farms is there's some sort of pattern. But the secret is find that pattern, like be proactive about it. Don't wait until like a month then when you find out 50% of the leads are bad. That's why you have to implement technology. Um, okay, the next, the third foundational point um, that we like to talk quite a lot about is preparing sales. So there's one thing that everyone in lead gen talks about, right? It's, this is nothing new, it's just like how quickly leads are contacted. Um, and we all know it's hugely important. And if you're not doing it, yeah, you just sort of need to have a word with yourself. Um, so might, I've got this in like two scenarios. So you're either a brand and you it's your sales team that's buying the leads, in which case, you know, that's where you just need to concentrate the effort in um, calling or contacting leads really quickly. But if you're an agency um, buying leads on behalf of a brand, how are you going to get the sales team um, to be more proactive and call the leads quickly? So you can literally just bitch and moan at them. I've done this loads in the past before and it works. If you call someone every hour for a week and just call the leads quickly, call the leads quickly. Eventually, they're either going to tell you to piss off or they're just going to call the leads quickly. Another option is present a calendar link to the leads. This could be on the back of a landing page. So when a person submits, it says, when would you like a call? And they choose a specific time and date and that then gets submitted to the sales team so they can spend a longer time calling it. Um, you can create your own mini pre-sales team um, which I know a lot of the lead generators do. So a lead is generated, it goes into a, a sort of mini sales team that they have that actually convert them. What they do is you qualify the lead further and book appointments in for people and then pass that appointment time over to the buyer or the, the sales team. You can also use two-way SMS messaging. So the lead comes in, you send it an SMS saying, hi, um, thanks for your inquiry. When would you like a call? And then they can just start a replying process and then that gives the sales team a longer period of time um, to actually contact them. And the ultimate thing, I mean, that happens all the time that you see with lead generators and agencies and buyers is they just end up ditching the buyer. So if you want to work with a lead generator and you're confident their leads are really good and you, you really want that process to work, you don't want that to happen. So you just need to contact the leads quickly. Another way to prepare the sales team is to build out sales packs. So this is, we basically go through like the entire lead generation process of every type of lead from every channel, from every ad that could go into a sales team. And it's a full outline of it. All the ads that are used, the landing pages, the messages, everything. And it takes them through the exact journey that a user goes through, all the questions, everything that they've seen, all the possible answers that they could give. And then you can give like ideas for call, call intros. 
um, based on the landing page or the information they've come in from. And this can actually be given as training to agents. So when you're setting up a new lead gen process and you're actually presented with this pack and you start to align, there's no juxtaposition from the generation process to the sales process, it all gets completely and utterly aligned. And just doing this alone, doing it thoroughly, will add a couple of ticks to your conversion rates because everything is seamless. It all just becomes completely the same message, the same positioning, same audience, and everybody knows what's happening. It's completely transparent. Um, so we've talked about like bringing leads in as a lead buyer. Um, and there's something that you know is becoming a bigger and bigger point, which is sending an update back to the lead generation process. So why do you do it? It's because the feedback helps them target um, people on like Facebook. So where leads have come in and they've converted to a sale, if you can feed that back into Facebook, it hones your targeting. So you're more likely to get leads and you're going to get them at a, a lower cost. Now, if the lead generator doesn't actually need that information, um, so for example, in like affiliate traffic, it probably isn't needed, but what they do need is the channels that it came from and the sources it came from and the demographics. So all this information that you know is happening as part of the sales process needs to go back in some way or other. And ideally you need to make that real time because at the end of the month, if you start producing spreadsheets and the budget has already gone driving traffic of a hundred grand, it's just completely wasted. It all needs to be going real time information backwards and forwards that helps everyone in the process. Now, a lot of the reason why buyers might not do this is um, they don't necessarily trust their sources. Um, they don't, they're worried that the CPLs might go up if they start seeing how well they're doing. This is just like a contractual thing and you've got to be able to trust your sources. This is down to like transparency because if you both are going to work together and you can both build this transparency, you're going to trust them feeding leads into you and you're going to trust selling, uh, sending sales information back to them. And what I would say is if you feel like you can't trust your sources, just don't work with them because they're sending you personal information of people. So if you feel like you can't trust them, imagine the person who's a lead, how little they'll trust them. So it's literally as easy as that. If you don't trust someone, just don't work with them. Um, but it's not just about sales. There's another reason why feedback is key. It's because if you're buying leads and say you've got 10 sources and one of the sources is tanking by 50%, there's some issue that's occurring. That's only 5% of the total volume of your leads. You might not even register that anything is happening, but you can bet your bottom dollar that the lead generator where it's 50% of his leads is gonna notice immediately because that's 50% of his revenue. So if you can get this like circle loop of feedback information going, it means that the lead generators and you are being proactive constantly to ensure there's no problems, to ensure that like throughput of leads is happening constantly um, and everybody's aligned and sort of aware of what's happening in the whole lead generation process. Um, so the fifth sort of foundational point is um, pursuing non-conversions. Um, so this is leads that have come in, they've gone into a sales function and you've not been able to sell to them. And what a lot of buyers do, it just ditch that lead. It goes into a database somewhere or just something else happens to it. When in reality, you need to build a relationship and it needs to be added value, not sales hunting. So this isn't just sending an email out constantly going like, you know, become a sale, become a sale, become a sale. Send them information that is useful. They became a lead in the first place for a reason. 
So if you can hit the problem they've got or the benefit that you give and just keep building that out, the user, it, it sort of has a few benefits. So one, it helps you build the brand out further. And it also is actually beneficial to the user. And if you actually think about how you do this, because I often wonder why more companies don't do it, like lead nurturing. I, I, I don't know why it becomes, it seems like complicated, but it doesn't need to be complicated. You literally, the way to build it is to like set an initial responder for when a lead arrives. So a lead arrives and it's, you know, thank you for your information. These are the benefits you're going to get, or you're going to get a call whenever. And you just need to build from that. And as long as you keep this mindset of not going after a sale constantly, um, this is how you build a relationship with them. And when they have that problem occur or some other thing happens, they're going to remember you. They're going to remember the brand. And one way we use it is like a, an Uber model. So um, when a lead comes in, if it goes to a sale, we'll actually, because we've got like this nurturing process already going on from an initial responder, it might even be like a second update um, going out. By the time they become a sale, they're used to our messages. You know, they're getting like 30, 40% open rates. It's just pure information. And so when they convert, we'll send them an email going, if you'd like to benefit from something like, I know, 20 pounds Amazon voucher, invite your family and friends, use this link. And if they convert, we'll send them a 20 pounds Amazon voucher as well. And all we're doing is using the money that you would normally pay out for the lead to actually give back to the user who can refer people. And you can only do this sort of thing by effectively building a nurturing plan um, that you're going to go through. So the last point um, that we need to cover is just ensuring consent. So when you're buying leads, compliance and transparent consent is probably the biggest issue that you will face. Um, and you could just deal with it quite easily. On every lead, you need to know the exact source. You need to sign off every single source that is feeding leads into you and that adds the landing pages, everything that it's going through. You need to go through the privacy policy. And you also need to get the privacy policy on every lead. So when the leads are delivered to you, it can actually come with the privacy policy um, as like a link within it or a bit of JavaScript attached to it. You need to get the time and date of the opt-in and it needs to be a value on the lead. You need to get the channel that the user opted into. You know, is it SMS? Is it mobile? Is it, as it's called, is it email? Is it postal? And then if you can track additional information like the exact ad it came from, keywords it came from, even better. The trick is don't leave any stone unturned. And the reason is, is that as we all know now, that it's not actually the person just generating the leads that will get in trouble, it's also you. And doing what we've listed here, if you have a, something like a subject access request or something else, you can be able to deal with it like that rather than you know spending weeks trying to find this information and go around hunting things that you uh, don't have anyway. So um, I think it's probably the best point to end this because it might be the most important thing that you can apply is uh, you know, the transparent consent. Um, but if you want to contact me about any of this, I could literally talk about each of these points for another hour, but I don't want to keep you sitting here for six hours. So we've just done like a broad brushstroke across some important things. Um, but let me know if you have any questions. Thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, we do have one question um, and an excellent job going over these uh, these points. Um, sure. Uh, one, one, it's, it's something you didn't necessarily cover, um, but the, the question is um, when convert, if you're a lead buyer, when conversions start to, um, you know, go down or you, you spot some type of uh, negative trend in, in your lead conversions, 
how do you suggest a buyer manage that issue with their, their lead seller? I mean, should they, uh, I'll add on to the question, should they be pausing it immediately? I mean, what, how do you recommend that partnership from a buyer standpoint when they start to see quality issues? It depends how bad the problem is. Like if it's, you know, like 50%, it suddenly drops by, there's probably an issue. Like if that happens, you know, it's been stagnant for a week at like a certain conversion rate and it drops off a cliff, I'd just pause it. Um, because there's some issue that just needs sorting out. Um, and the easiest thing is to deal with it immediately. If we're talking like, you know, I don't know, 10%, 15%, conversion rates fluctuate, um, you know, and there's a buyer of leads, you've got to just live with that fact. Um, but as long as you can sort of either arrest the trend of it going downwards um, or actually dig into the problem. I mean, you know, anyone doing lead generation with any amount of time, you can look out the windows to sunny day the conversion rate is going to go down. <laughs> you know? um, so this, you need to factor in what the actual issue is and um, you know, how, how big the actual problem is. Yeah. Um, there was a comment as well that supported your statement around um, not deduping uh, with trusted um, uh, partners. Uh, you made, you made that point. Um do you, you is, is there, you want to elaborate sort of a little bit on that, just uh, a little bit more on why you would not want to dedupe with trusted partners? Well, I think the point is, is that dedupe is, is like a low intent thing for me, right? So if you're getting low intent leads, I don't know, like co-reg leads or something, you know, and you're converting them at like 3%, 2%, you just dedupe it all day long. There's just no point in buying that thing again and having it go into the sales function. If you've got high intent leads, you know, you're converting at like 15, 20%. And the day before a lead has come in and the sales team has been trying to contact, but hasn't been in contact. It doesn't even matter if they have. And then it comes in again, I'd contact it immediately. What the, the one thing you need to watch for, and this is why the brand thing is important, is like, what's the source it came in from? Is it the same as the one that sent the original lead in? Because if it's different, um, it can come in and this feeds into like the problem with landing pages being like really winky wanky and people not spending any time like thinking of like the brand and everything else because they all look the same if you're a um, consumer I don't know searching for life insurance or something the likelihood is you could look at like 10 of them and we know right because we all work in this industry and we can spot differences and we'll know different brands they just wouldn't know they'd think that you know it was the same brand or a different one so that's how I measure it is potentially just look at the source that's actually sending the lead. And if it's different, let the lead fly in again. Great. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for, for uh, presenting this information to us. Um, uh, for those that uh, uh, maybe are watching this on a recorded, um, you know, you can uh, reach out to Simon, uh, go rewind a little bit back to his information and reach out to him with any questions and, and go from there. But Simon, thank you very much for, for being a part of lead generation world and presenting today. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast, the show for serious lead generators. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.